You guys good this morning? Amen, amen. Once you grab your Bible, if you have it, turn turn to your Bible or turn on your Bible, whichever avenue you utilize to read the Word of God. And we're going to go to Genesis 25 today. It's right in the beginning. And I've been thinking a lot about my title. I've been thinking about the direction that I felt led to this morning. And something that I kind of, for the last couple of days, have been going one direction and the Lord kind of switched my direction. But as you're turning there, there's three things that the church should always be. And Cody touched on it just a minute ago, but the church should always be attractional, invitational, and reactional. The church should always be attractional. In other words, it just means that as the church, we don't have to be repulsive to the world. Amen? tracking with me we are to be beautiful we are to be ready to give an account and it says in the word of god of course and many have read the scripture that to be ready to give an account for the hope that is in you i think oftentimes in the church we teach our congregations how to be arguers instead of those who share the hope That we have. There should be something attractional about our message. There should be something attractional about our lives. Amen. Amen. Other people should look at our lives and say, I want what they have. So there's an attractional element to our faith, but there's also an invitational element to our faith. What does that mean? That means that the Bible says, Whosoever will come. So there's an invitational aspect to our faith. But today I want to talk about, everybody say reaction. Reaction. There is, and that's where we're going to go today, is the reaction. Because what I want to talk about today, and especially with young people in the room, this is for everybody. But I also know and understand that we have young families here. You guys have young kids. You have teenagers. You have little ones that you're raising. And I want to talk today about choosing the correct path. That God has for you. How many understand that God has a destiny for you? Come on, raise your hand. He does. He has a destiny. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And I think we often forget that you don't get to the purposes of God by trying harder, but you get to the purposes of God by believing what He says about you and your situation more than what you see. How many enjoy grace? How many understand that grace is the very underpinning of all of our faith? Grace, if I could give you what it means in a very short sentence, it's unmerited favor. Unmerited, it means you didn't do anything to deserve it. You didn't do anything to get it, but God provided his grace. It's much like something that happened to me very recently, that we now have a new animal in our home. It's a squirrel. We have a baby squirrel. And, y'all, I'm not a baby squirrel person. Not at all. And my son was in class and had gone outside at the school there with his class to to a different part of the thing. And and, and according to the story, I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure it's true, but I don't know if he found the squirrel or the squirrel found him. I'm kind of mixed up on that. But according to him, the squirrel found him. And the squirrel comes running and following him and following him till he finally turned around. When he turned around, he picked up an acorn, and the squirrel climbed up on him and climbed into his shirt pocket and very quickly realized this wasn't just a normal squirrel. Somebody had taken this little baby squirrel in and nursed it to where he's just now a little juvenile. And it was sitting in the pocket, and, yeah, all's right. They're cute. But I'm finding out they eat a lot. So my point is, who's going to take the squirrel after church? No, I'm kidding. The squirrel comes and lives now in my house. And I am providing food and shelter and love and care, not because I like a squirrel, but because my son loves the squirrel. Are you tracking with me? The squirrel has enjoyed unmerited favor from the father because of the love I have for my son. Are you, are you tracking with me? Can I tell you this morning, God loves a good underdog story. 
He really does. You read all throughout the Bible, and when you read the Bible and you take it for exactly what it is, it's stories of people who genuinely were really messed up, but God's unmerited grace and favor calls them to see who God was, and by seeing who God was, it changed them from the inside out. One of my favorite underdog stories, and I, I, if I don't mention a Rocky movie in the course of a year preaching, there's something wrong with me. Y'all check on me. But Rocky II is one of my favorite Rocky movies. As a matter of fact, if you've never rocked, watched Rocky II, you're probably a communist, and you're going to get deported from the United States of America. Rocky II is awesome. And at the end of, at the end of Rocky II, uh, Adrian's in the hospital, and she's talked Rocky into retiring from fighting and he visits Rocky in the, in the hospital, or she, Rocky visits Adrian in the hospital, and Apollo Creed wants to fight again, and he says he's not going to do it. And he's in there with Mick, the, the, the trainer, and the manager, and Rocky, and Adrian. It's such a powerful part of the movie because he, he looks down at Adrian and he says, Adrian, I, I quit fighting, and I'm going to do it to honor you, what you told me to do. And the music starts to build, dun 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 <laughs> And she looks at Rocky and she says, Rocky, I want you to win. And the hair stands up on the back of your neck. And it doesn't matter how many times I've watched it. If it comes on TV, I'm watching one of the Rocky movies because I love it. But I came to tell you something this morning. God has a plan for your life. And it's beautiful. And it's attractional. But we have a response to give to God because in the same way that we have much like a fork in the road for especially you young people that are here today, I really want to ask you to give me, give me your best attention for these next few minutes because I want to talk to you about how you can live a blessed life in choosing God's design and plan instead of choosing your own selfishness, instead of choosing your own path, instead of choosing your own way. Because when we get off the path that God has in front of us, you're going to end up in a difficult place. Amen? Amen. So, what happens, this is my big question today that we want to answer. What happens when God's kingdom plan for you hits a crossroads and you can either walk in it or you can trade it? Everybody say trade it. I'm going to talk about an old subject here this morning, but this morning I'm going to talk to you about choosing either beans or birthright. Everybody say beans. Birthright. That's what we're going to talk to you about this morning from the Word of God. Father, for these next few minutes and moments, I pray that your spirit is already settled here. And God, that you're present. And it's in that presence, Lord, where there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. We want to draw closer to you today, Father. We want you to speak to our hearts and change our lives. Anything that's said of me, let it fall by the wayside. But Lord God in heaven, anyone, anything that's said... By the anointing of God today, I pray that it would go into the hearts of these precious people and it would change our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what happens to us when we get sidetracked? Here's what I found. When you belong to God, He is doing and trying His best to bless you and to put you in a place of victory, blessing, and destiny. And we're usually doing our best to mess up what he's trying to do. Can I get an amen this morning? Before we get into this, let's have a quick confession here. All of us have done something to sabotage God's best for our lives. All of us have. And if it wasn't for the grace, the unmerited favor of God to bring us back around full circle, none of us would have anything that we have today. Would you agree with that? So the question today then, as we get into Genesis 25... The question today is, am I going to choose God's destiny or am I going to choose a temporary pleasure? Because when we live a life of choosing the temporary pleasure, when we live a life of choosing what seems to be good for us in the moment of passion or the moment of of being tired or lonely or angry or hungry, we tend to go down a wrong road that will get us shipwrecked out of God's purposes. So Genesis 25, look at verse 27 with me this morning. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a wild man, dwelling in tents, and Isaac loved Jacob, loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now stop there and look back this way. 
and let me set up a little bit of, of a little bit of what's going on in this situation that will help us today. So let's talk about this. The Bible is comparing two brothers, and we realize very quickly that there's a very interesting family dynamic going on in this story because you have Esau and you have Jacob. Esau, the Bible says, was a, I mean, the Bible describes him, he was a, a, a large, hairy outdoorsman. Can I put it in today's, today's vernacular? Esau was a redneck. <laughs> he loved to hunt, loved to fish, loved to get outdoors. And Jacob, described here, is really kind of a homebody. He's, a, he's more of an introvert. He's more of stay around the house. You could really probably say in today's vernacular that Jacob would have been a mama's boy. Amen? So you had a mama's boy, and you had somebody who was, was very rough and tumble and tough. And what Jacob's name means is deceiver. Literally, the name Jacob means liar. So imagine this family dynamic, just to set a little bit of foundation before we jump into what we're really going to talk about today. The family dynamic is interesting because Jacob literally means liar. I mean, imagine this for a second, his entire life. Okay, it's time to get up, liar. Time to do the chores, liar. It's time to go outside, liar. It's time to go to bed, liar. It's time to do this. It's time... All throughout his life, he was living in a dynamic where he knew that his father favored the other more than him and his mother favored him more than the other. And there's a very interesting dynamic. And if you look behind the scenes, we also have an enemy that's literally called, that's what the name means of Jacob, deceiver. Satan literally means arch deceiver or arch liar or, or king deceiver king liar. My point is that the enemy always wants to put something false in front of us in the moment that we are going to either choose to follow God's way or we're going to choose to follow our own earthly pleasures and what we want in the moment. So today is really a warning. Today is really looking at this story and understanding that we have a reaction to God's grace that is more than just acknowledging here in this church service that God's grace is awesome, his unmerited favor. Where would any of us be in this room without the unmerited favor of God? But there's choices that we have, and we say all the time, take up your cross and follow me, deny yourself. And we say that, but can I tell you, that's not a one-time decision. That is an everyday decision of your life. Because we do have an enemy, and just like in this story, you see a contrast of two completely different people. Because i be honest with you, Esau seems to me like the kind of person that I would want to hang out with. He really is. Seems like just a good old boy, somebody you'd like to go hunting with or go fishing or, or maybe call him over to work on your car or something, just somebody you would like to hang out with. And we see in this story that the Bible also talks about a hall of faith in Hebrews. And I love the Bible and its realness. Because it begins to talk about the hall of faith. And it, it says, and Abraham. Abraham sold his wife to Pharaoh. Gave his wife to Pharaoh. You track it with me. It says, and David. It brings up all these people. It, David was an adulterer and a murderer. And Moses is in the hall of faith. And Moses was a premeditated murderer. You understand the Bible talks about it and is talking about it. and then it then it comes to this part and this is what I want to talk about today this is the seriousness of choosing our own path instead of what god wants by his grace to bless your life with because he has a plan he has a purpose and he has a destiny i don't care if you're 12 11 10 years old in this room or you're all the way up to 80 or 90 god has a plan and a choice for us to make every single day whether we're going to follow his because it lays out all these people that are in the hall of faith and then it gets to a part of hebrews that says and there's esau do not be a godless one like Esau who chose the temporary pleasure over God's eternal destiny. And I step back from that and I'm like, wow, you just listed a whole bunch of people that really had serious issues in their life. When you, you look at, they, they lift up Gideon and all these different ones. And it's like Gideon said, have you seen my family? Have you seen how messed up my family is? Here's my point. We all at times make excuses for not walking in God's plan and destiny for our lives. We do. 
we do. And God is so gracious. God is so awesome to come full circle and with an ability to pull us and draw us back to a place of his plan and his purpose. Look back down here at verse 29 this morning. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die. What good is this birthright to me? Now, if you're taking notes, write that down. What good is this birthright to me? Why is that important? Because, again, when you look at people who are lifted up in the Word of God as being in the Faith Hall of Fame, we understand that they had issues, but they did not allow the issues to keep them from following what God had laid out in front of them. Look back down here at verse 33. Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Hebrews brings this out very clearly to us. Look, don't be someone who is godless like Esau for who a a temporary, very small, short window of time gave in to what he was feeling in the moment and traded the destiny and plan and purpose of God for something that looked good in the moment, but in the end of the thing cost him what God had for his life. So, again, the basic story of the, the basics of the story are simply this. That really messed up family, really messed up family dynamics. You have a redneck and you have a mama's boy. The mama's boy is, is cooking a pot of beans one day in the, in the house, Esau comes in from outside, he's famished, he's weary, he's really, really, really hungry, and in the moment he looks at this, and it's very interesting, because if we understand the proper understanding of how this could end up happening to somebody, it will help us, because here's the deal, everybody in this room is going to face temptations throughout your lifetime. You're going to. And the the understanding of the Hebrew word for the temptation that's happening in this story is very powerful because it's a word called avon. Everybody say avon. I'm not selling avon. I'm just telling you the word. The word avon simply means that whatever, Hebrew language is in pictures. The pictures that we see listed out here to understand what being tempted with something and letting yourself hook into it is literally that. It is an eye. Taught you this before. I'm going to teach the rest of you. It's an eye. It's a hook. And then it's a picture of, of fish multiplying. So in other words, whatever your eye is focused on is what you will become hooked to. And what you become hooked to becomes very big in all you can focus on in that moment. Esau comes in from the field. He's been out hunting. He's been out fishing. He's been out being a good old boy. And he comes in, and and in the story, the NIV actually adds in the word stew because it's not in there because without the word stew, you would have no idea what was going on in the context of the story because he walks into this room, and he's so hungry He's so famished in that moment, he literally just says the word Edom, Edom, Adam, 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 Adam. And he's over and over, Adam, Adam. He's looking at this thing over here that he thinks he wants in the moment. And he's literally, it just means the word red. He's just saying red, red, red. I got to have the red. I got to have the red. Have you ever been in a place where your eye begins to hook to something. And in that moment, it seems like the only thing that would ever fulfill you and the only thing that will ever satisfy you and the only thing that that is going to fill something on the inside. This morning, I'm sitting in front of a group of people that you have been searching and looking all over the place for something to fill that place in your heart. 
And can I tell you what it is this morning? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a relationship with Him. And here's the beauty. God has a plan, a purpose, and a destiny for every person in this room. And some have never fulfilled it because you get to the place where God's getting ready to open the door and to put you in the place of destiny. Esau had a destiny. Esau was the firstborn. Esau had a destiny upon his life. And for a moment that his eye got hooked to something that he thought he needed. And see, when your eye gets hooked to something... The biblical understanding of this is is that that is called iniquity. Iniquity starts when your eye gets hooked to something God doesn't have for you. Young people, listen to me this morning very, very clearly. Because as young people, you haven't lived enough alive to be on guard against the dangers of the enemy. Because just in this story, that Jacob is the arch liar. We know God did great things with Jacob later, but let me tell my story about this story right here in Genesis 25 for our purposes. The arch deceiver. See, God has a plan for you, but we have an arch Jacob that's trying to stop you. His name's Satan. You may have come in here and said, I don't believe all that, you know, Satan. Yes, he's real. And what his main job is, isn't for anybody in this room, everybody in this room, you could come in here and say, you know, I don't do this, and I, I'm doing good, I read my Bible, I do these things. And His main plan is to put things out in front of you that in the moment seem like they're going to be fulfilling and subvert you from the plan and purpose and destiny that God has for your life. That's what happened to Esau. He walks in, he's like, the red, beans, beans. Wait a minute, you're going to trade your destiny in God, the plan and purpose that God has? You see, whatever your eye hooks to is what you're focused on and what you're focused on because iniquity doesn't start back here. It starts when your eye hooks to it. But can I give you good news this morning? He paid for my iniquities. His iniquity, the iniquity of us all was laid upon Jesus. But I'm telling you, that's when the sin starts. And listen, whatever you're focused on will begin to multiply. So give me an example. I do premarital counseling. And it's always amazing to sit down with these young couples. Because all they can see is the good. Amen? Come on. There's only been one time, one time, in all the years I've been ministering and pastoring, one time, I looked at a couple and I just said, you guys are completely incompatible. (laughs) Completely. And they went and got married anyway. It was not good. Because they had somebody that was just trying to, listen, God wants to protect you. And it's the same way in relationships. Our eye gets hooked to something. Or men, let me give you, and not even men, all of us, but men especially. You ever get on a car lot? Oh, come on, somebody. Isn't it amazing how car salesmen have an inside thermometer? Because you walk on the car lot and you're like Esau, ha, eat them. The red, the red, the red. Not very long ago, I sat down in a red sports car and just felt a spirit of stupid just hug. I mean, as car salesmen, they've got an inside thermometer for car fever, don't they? They do. They're like, ah, beans, beans, beans. They're like, yes, beans, beans, beans. And we blame Satan for everything. But don't buy a $40,000 car on a $30,000 a year salary. Come on. Quit blaming Satan on your decisions. Because when you're faced with the decision, your eye, what your eye hooks to, and it's the same way in relationships like I mentioned before because it's amazing you meet young couples and you're counseling them and you're talking about issues they may face at the beginning of their marriage. It's amazing. What do you focus on? What your eye hooks to. It's all good. And how many knows after you get married, the eye shifts? Oh, come on. I didn't know you left the toothpaste cap off. What is this? Esau, listen to me. Esau sold his birth. That's why Hebrews talks about don't be profane like Esau for who for, who for a momentary bit of pleasure. Young person, listen to me this morning. We 
see things that we think are going to fulfill us. And it may be a relationship. And you've got that, that young man or young woman pressuring you to maybe have sex outside of marriage. Can we get real this morning? Absolutely. And they wear you down, they wear you down, they wear you down. Finally you give in. Can I tell you what it ends up being on the other side? Like Esau didn't know this. It's just beans. Come on. And now you're lonely. And now you're confused. This, this could be any area of our life. This could be in the area of addiction. In the area of addiction, people who are addicted to things, they say, I got to have it, 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 I got to have it. Then you get it, and what happens on the other side? It's just being. It doesn't fulfill. Can I tell you this morning what is going to fulfill your life, what is going to bless your life, what is going to be the difference in your life? It's in those moments where the arch liar, the arch deceiver, the one that's putting that thing in front of you, it's making a decision that I've got something more to live for. I don't want a pot of beans when God has given me a heavenly birthright. I don't want just a pot of beans when God has promised me his presence and his provision and his grace and his mercy. It's understanding that some of the things some of you are choosing are beneath a child of God. There's a lot of things that you just step back and say, that is beneath me. Listen, to I'm I'm warning some of you all. That little flirty thing at work? Beans. (laughs) You're married and that person that pays attention to you and... Let's go have lunch. You better walk away. You'd be in a place like Esau where you have traded what God has planned for you. And God's so gracious. God is so good. God, we see at the end of this story, there's reconciliation. There's blessings upon Esau's life. But what I'm talking about is we all face a crossroads at different times. And we have something right there in front of us that is very temporary. And can I tell you, the stuff that's temporary can't fulfill you this morning. It's only the eternal. It's God's word. It's the beauty of the gospel. We have a beautiful message, church. Man, if the church would just fall in love with Jesus and preach the true message of the gospel of Christ, that if you came in here this morning and you're, you're down and out and kicked out and nobody wants to have anything to do with you, and listen, you came to the right place to tell you the truth, that God has a destiny for your life. God has a plan and God has a purpose and God wants to put you on his path. And we see in this story how we can get knocked off of that path at times. Simply put, Esau is like, if I don't get what is in that bowl in the moment, I'm going to die without it. My question is this, have you ever sold everything you could be for a momentary urge? That you looked at it and you thought, I'm going, I would die without this. Has your eye ever hooked to the red stuff, the red stuff, the red stuff? You're willing to sell everything that God says you could be for something that is right in front of you in the moment. Simply put, whatever has your attention in the moment actually appears bigger than it is. Free advice, and this is very important in context of what I'm talking about, and it's one of the reasons I counsel people and tell them all the time, you've got a big decision to make, you need to step back and pray about it, seek counsel about it. I see so many young people especially, and this is kind of directed to young people this morning, you're in such a hurry to get on with your life, if you would be patient and ask the Holy Spirit, what is that really about? Who is that person really on the inside? We all know this because after after it, after you get that car that you can't afford, there's going to be a scratch, right? There's going to be little dings on the wheels, right? After you get into that relationship and you're in covenant marriage, listen, your eye shifts. It's amazing one of the things that Lee appreciated about me so much before we got married is how quiet I was. And then we get married, it's like, why don't you talk to me more? Like, baby. 
And Esau walks in and his eye hooks to the red stuff. Beans. It's a pot of beans. And in verse 34 it says this, that Esau despised his birthright. Or in other words, he profaned. Literally means to take something sacred and treat it as common. My question, are you treating your relationship with God as sacred or are you treating your relationship with God as common? And Esau treats his... See, this was everything to them. The birthright was everything. The firstborn, being the one that received all the... I've talked about that before, taught a message on the firstborn and how Jesus was the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn get judgment, secondborn gets mercy. But in this story, he's trading all of this for a momentary pleasure that he thinks he can't live without. This isn't a 25, 3,000-year-old story about Esau and Jacob. This is a story about you and me this morning. And it's a story about how God's plan and God's best can be thwarted by one momentary urge. I have a question for you also this morning. Who wants to get to 70 or 80 years old? God gives you long life and blesses your life. And basically say, my life was defined by giving in to a series of urges throughout my entire lifetime. God has great plans. God has a huge destiny. And at times in my life, I have traded that destiny and that plan for something that looked good on the outside and my eye hooked to it. And on the other side, it ends up in a place of disaster. Let me give you some example. The question is, what bowl are you eating out of today? Are you eating out of the bowl of God's plan and destiny? Are you, or, or are you eating out of the bowl of temporary things that aren't going to last? Let me give you some examples. Moses is a great example. Moses is a great example because in the book of Exodus, God comes down and he says, Moses, you're going to lead in anywhere from, they estimate, three to five million people that are my people. You're going to lead them out of captivity and you are going to lead them to the promised land. And Moses, what do you think about that? Sounds good, right? Moses says, I can't. I got a C minus in public speaking. Sorry, God. Moses was willing to trade his birthright for the bowl of insecurity. Some of you are operating in insecurity because you don't know who God created you to be and the things he created you to do. And just like Moses, you have been giving God the bowl of excuses when he has a great plan for you and your family and your kids and you come back to him with, God, I can't because I'm insecure. Gideon. I mentioned this before. Gideon's a great example. His birthright was to deliver his people, to see a great victory over the enemy. And it's a great plan. And Gideon's like, yeah, Lord, but, but have you seen my family? Some of in here have been using the excuse of where you were born and who you were born to and the way you were raised. And I'm telling you, you're choosing a bowl of excuses, then you're choosing God's destiny. Because when God comes in a person's life and you really truly surrender him, young people, listen to me. Do not let Citrus County keep you captive to saying, I'm just a little old Citrus Countyan. And I can't shake the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Young people, you can shake the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you give your life over to God, but you can't choose the temporary over the eternal plan and purpose of God because the enemy isn't going to try to get you not to believe in him. He's just going to try to get you to choose a bunch of junk over his plan and purpose. Beans, beans, beans. I got to have the beans sold his birthright. And the the hall of faith is full of people who did some really awful things. That's what I love about the Bible. But they're still called people of faith because even in the midst of their their mess up and the sin and the things, because we think that our sin only affects ourselves, but you not following the destiny of God clearly shows in this passage it doesn't just affect you, it affects other people. Maybe perhaps a question is, is what is God waiting for you to choose this morning? Are you going to choose the temporary or are you going to choose the eternal plan of God? Jeremiah is a great example. Hey, 
Jeremiah, your destiny is to prophesy to my people and see them delivered. And Jeremiah just simply comes back and says, that's great, God, but I'm too young. Young people, don't let anybody look down on you because of your youth. If you've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you need to begin to operate in that Holy Spirit. You need to begin to walk out the plan of God and walk out His purposes in your life. This is all through the Word. So my simple question today is this, and listen to me for just a few more minutes and we're going to close. Where are we choosing the bowl of beans instead of what God has called us to do? And we get this thing pretty backwards. We have this mentality that, okay, God's really angry at me. But the question is this. It's not about anything other than do we despise our birthright? Is your life defined by a pattern continually giving in to your urges, or is your life defined by choosing the higher purpose? And listen to me. Please hear the heart of God in what I'm saying today. God has a wonderful plan like he did for Esau. And we on any given day are faced with decisions that can move us towards that plan or can wreck that plan every single day. If you don't hear anything else today, listen to me right here. When he walked in that day, Jacob had a bowl there. And it looked good. And his eye hooked to it. It smelled good. It looked good. And in his own self, it seemed like God is providing a meal for me. But what was behind it was somebody who was deceiving, somebody who had concocted an entire plan to trick the other person out of what God truly had for them. And we've all been there. We've all been there. I just got to have another piece of cake. Amen? Doesn't matter if you're overweight. I got to have that cake. I got to have that cake. For me, it's a little Debbie's. I think especially in our families. Be real with you for a minute. Especially in our families, we have a moment where we just absolutely lose our temper. We just absolutely just blow up at our kids. I have before. I mean, later on, I'm thinking, my kids just went to bed. And their respect for daddy as a man of God has gone down. Are you tracking with me? Because of, a, uh, because of a moment where I couldn't choose to be the man God called me to be. Where I couldn't choose to follow what he has already said in his word. So at times I've traded the birthright of being a godly dad for yelling. That's beans, y'all. You traded... We trade our honor as a godly man or woman over the house for something that God told us to stay away from. You know, you have to have that shirt. You have to have that car. You have to have something right in front of us. And we say, I'll die without that. And when we taste it, when we, when we finally get in there and taste it, and on the other side of it, we're just like, it's just beans. Esau on the other side of that was... In the moment, it filled. But later on, he began to sink in of what he had traded to get it. What's the solution? Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If we aren't careful, we will look back over our lives and realize that we didn't choose daily to take up the cross and deny ourselves of things that really at the end of the day, listen to me, really things at the very end of the day amounted to a hill of beans. Back when God called me, and I began to sense the call of God on my life to go, and we all have a call, is everybody tracking with me? Everybody in here is called. You're called to reach the sphere of influence that God has placed you in. You are the people, the family. You're not here by accident. You weren't put in the family you were by accident. You weren't put right here in Citrus County by accident. Some of you have moved into this area. God led you here, and God led you to this church. 
so that we can make an impact on this community. And for me, my dream was always, and I've mentioned this before, but let me just tell my story, because this was very pivotal crossroad times where I've had to look, and am I going to choose the bowl of beans, or, or am I going to choose God's plan? And God's plan always seems like it's going to cost a lot when you're faced with it right in front of you, but can I tell you, when you choose His way, it is blessed. There's things on the inside of joy and peace and contentment that comes into our hearts and our lives because we, we set aside what looked good in the moment and our eye hooks to, and we're like, God, I want clarity on this because I don't know which direction to, to head. And my plan, purpose, and dream for many years was to own my own landscape design business. Long story short, God provided. First year that I was in business, I paid off a dump truck, an F-250, a trailer, two trailers, and some equipment. Paid it all off. So the next year going into the new year was going to be the big year for me. I had had sacrificed. I had worked my tail off to get to this very place. But in the midst of this, the Holy Spirit in prayer began to say, I'm calling you to something else. I have a destiny for you. I have, a, I have a place that I'm going to bring you to. And I didn't understand what that meant. I thought, okay, if I'm going to be a ministry, I'll just go to Bible school. I, there's Bible schools all around this area. I'll work during the day, run my landscape design business, and at night I'll go to Bible school. And how many understand we begin to bargain with God? I'll be, I'll be straight honest with you. I'd worked so hard for so many years, I was about to hit the payoff. Y'all, I was, I was about to hit the, the – I mean, so my eye was hooked to – Man, I've been driving this old car around for all these years, sacrificing and sacrificing and sacrificing. Can't wait to get a new car. Can't wait to get a big house. Can't wait to have this. Can't wait to have that. Long story short, there was a landscape architect who trained me, who was at another company, who contacted me. And in contacting me, he, his business, his jobs, I was doing about jobs that were between ten and 15000 He was doing jobs that were one hundred to 150000 per job. And he booked up in the beginning of the year all year long. So he comes to me and approaches me. He says, you've got the equipment. I'm not happy where I am. Let's go partner, go into business together. And from one show, Columbus Home and Garden Show in Columbus, Ohio, we'll book up the entire year. I'll bring my paver crew, and you have the equipment, and you have a couple helpers, and we'll come together. And listen, this is the same time that God's telling me that I have a plan for you. And I saw, I saw the material things on his life. He had been working over there for maybe two years. And I saw him pull up. In the, as a matter of fact, when we met to, to hash this out, he pulled up, and I, I'm trying to think back, like a brand-new Mustang. I'm like, beans. Beans, brother. Get me one of them. And he came and sat in my little pitiful car. He got out of his car, came and sat in mine. And I was so fervent for the Lord. I was so on fire. I told him what Jesus had delivered me from, brought me out of addiction, changed my life, gave me hope, gave me all the good things of the kingdom. And, and, and it was all unmerited favor. Amen. And he gets in my car and I lock the doors. Because <laughs> I've not let him out until he gives his life to Christ because I'm not going into business with somebody who's not saved. And he looked at me and he's like, you know, I can just pop the, the lock and get out. I'm like, oh, I didn't think of that. I'm like, Rich. His name's Rich Martin. Still a landscape architect. He's actually designing cities, parks in cities, you know. And I'm sitting there. And Do you know how God will speak to you sometimes? God will speak to you through an unbeliever. He will. I said, Rich, I really don't know what to do. I, I, don't, I don't know whether I should follow the call of God on my life or if I should go into business and we knock the cover off the ball next year. And, man, he looked at me. And he said, doesn't it say, doesn't the Bible say? He didn't know the Bible. I barely knew the Bible at that time. Actually, the, the longer I do this, the more I know that I don't know a lot. Anybody else with me? Yeah. I don't even want to say I know it now, after 25 years of following Jesus. And he looked at me and he said this. He said, the Bible says you can't serve two masters. So I made my decision in that moment. 
And that grew. In that moment, I could either choose that which I thought was going to fulfill me or I could choose what God was speaking to my heart. And even though, and all throughout my lifetime, all throughout my life, three different times, three, I've sold everything I have to follow the call of God. I'm not saying that to lift myself up. I'm saying that that every single time that God was leading me to a major decision that didn't bless my life in a material way, it blessed my life in a spiritual way. Because if I'd have followed my own path, y'all, how many would say if you followed your own path, you'd have been wrecked a long time ago? Good, I'm in the right group of people today. I am. Because it looked good in the moment. Employees. We were, we, were, we were looking for offices with fenced-in stuff to park all of our trucks and all of our equipment. We were deep into this. And the Holy Spirit just kept tugging me and saying, that's not what life is about. Life is about the destiny. And that's why the Bible is so seemingly harsh in Hebrews of don't be a godless person like Esau that for a very small moment of opportunity and a small moment of pleasure... You sell your birthright. Young people, listen to me. The enemy in your life is going to put something in front of you because he's done it to me every single time before I made a decision to continue to sacrifice. I I, I want to tell you something. Following Jesus is a sacrifice. Get it out of your head that there's nothing that we can't lay down. But church, I've been doing this long enough to tell everybody in here that little thing that we think we're laying down God's just ready to pour out the bigger. God is just ready to pour out the blessings. God, God is such a grace, gracious, awesome, merciful God. I made that decision in that moment. Went, liquidated all my equipment, began to think and pray. Let me, let me finish with this part of the story. I didn't know where I was going. Some of you are in here today and you're much like Abraham. You know God's said it, but you don't know how you're going to get there. I mean, can you imagine being Abraham for a minute? Especially with a 100-year-old wife. You all realize they were very old when they left, right? Abraham, where are we going? I don't know. But God does. Abraham, where are we going? I don't know. You see, what God had Abraham stop and do, and, and we miss this sometimes, is he had Abraham stop and make a covenant in his flesh. Some of you have never made the decision to allow the, your heart to be completely dedicated and circumcised for the covenant that God has for you in your heart. It's not an outward physical. It's an inward reality. You've never... Because I imagine Abraham's wife quit asking him if he's really serious about following God when he stopped and took a rock and made covenant with God. Most of you know what I'm talking about it right now in this room. There's young people in here, so I'll stop there. It was an outward sign of an inward reality that on this side of the cross, we have to be careful that when we walk into a situation, if your eye gets hooked to it and it seems to multiply and get bigger and bigger and bigger, back up for a second and begin to pray, God, is this part of my destiny that you have for me? Because, again, at the end of the day, on the other side of it, it's just a bowl of beans. So many things that we sell out to are just a momentary pleasure when God has pleasures of peace, joy, love, security, blessing your family, all the things that he has for us. Amen? Amen. Stand Stand with me this morning. Alexis, if you'd come, please. How many have been in a situation where when you tasted it, it was just it was just beans? Anybody? Yeah. I think we all have. I think, I think we all need these encouragements and warnings at time. 
especially as parents, parents that are in here, you want your kids. The definition of success, to me, is when those who know you the most respect you the most. Are you hearing me? I'm not talking about the mask that, you know, we all kind of wear at church or the mask even as pastors sometimes we have to put on. It's knowing that these young ones over here and my wife look at me and say, hey, he's not perfect by any stretch, but my dad's trying. My dad turns down the, the immediate gratification for something bigger, and that's raising children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Here's my questions for my altar call today. Number one, where have you lived for the bowl? And number two, what is the red stuff for you today? Where have you lived for the bowl of very fleeting satisfaction in a moment to give up something eternal that God has for you beyond the moment that you're tempted in that moment? Men, let me be honest with you this morning. Women too nowadays, but I think for men... We tend to get caught up in opening something on the computer. Come on. Yeah. Allowing ourselves to be sucked into that moment of looking something. Look, pornography is rampant in this generation that's coming up. And listen, here's what they don't know. It's what the enemy does. He doesn't show you 20 years down the road when you have no intimacy with your wife because you have a completely false understanding of what intimacy with your spouse even is. Amen? What is your bowl this morning? What is your bowl? What is that thing that you're trading the best God has for the absolute worst that the enemy can offer to us? And secondly, again, what is the red stuff for you today? Bow your head and close your eyes. You say, Pastor, there's a bowl. I want to ask that question first. You have something even right now as you came in here today. You have something right there in front of you that you know is a bowl set up by the enemy, but your eyes just hooked. You're just, you're, you're hooked to it. That's when iniquity starts to form. That's when the temptation turns into something where sin is when our eye gets hooked to it. Iniquity is when we act out on it, but it's still sin. So you'd be honest enough to say today just by shooting up your hand for, say, three seconds that there's a bowl that I've identified through the power of the Holy Spirit that is in front of me. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. My second question is this. What is your red stuff? You say, I don't understand what you're saying. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. The red stuff is what the enemy is using in front of you to tempt you into giving up the greater. Your red stuff may be the computer and clicking on something you know you shouldn't. Your red stuff may be that flirty thing at work. Your red stuff may be the addiction that has wiggled and wormed its way into your life and you just can't seem to break free from it. That's the red stuff. How many would be honest enough to say, Pastor, there's some red stuff that I've gotten hooked into? Come on, this isn't between me and you. This is between you and the Spirit of God that knows what is going on inside of your heart. Thank you, Lord. Multitudes of people have said there's something, there's a bowl and there's some red stuff that is in front of me and I'm hooked into it. The answer is to repent, to turn, change your mind about that in front of you and to latch on to God's will, God's forgiveness, and God's way. Let's all lift our hands in this house right now. If you're comfortable doing this, you don't have to. But our hands lifted just means we're surrendering something to God in this moment. So bow your head and close your eyes. Father, we acknowledge today that we do really good messing up the plan that you have for us. God, we either mess it up by getting hooked into something we know we shouldn't, or God, some in this room today, Father, have sabotaged your call, has sabotaged your plan because, God, they feel insecure 
Lord, they feel like they they weren't born into the right family. God, this is a word for somebody. You don't feel like you're eloquent or smart enough. God is not looking for eloquent and smart. He's looking for a yes. That's it. I'm living proof of that, church. He's just looking for those who will say, yes. All the things that I did in my early days, I should not even be standing here in front of you. I should be dead. So I've lived every day since I bowed my knee to him. Every day. I've said, God, if I shouldn't be here, it means you spared me. And if you spared me, then God, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. I'll follow you no matter the cost. I'll take up my cross every day. I'll be looking for the enemy's bowl of beans that God is not going... Some of you in in your marriage, you've been thinking... And and here's what happens. In your mind is where the enemy plays. And, And again, you're attracted to that person at work or you're attracted to a neighbor. You're attracted to somebody. Stop it and break it by the power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Because it's in your mind that dreams think, you start to dream things. And when you dream them and imagine them, those false imaginations get into your heart. And when they get into your heart, they build a stronghold. And the stronghold will tear up your life. Arrest it now. See it that your eyes hook to something. And that which your eyes hook to is multiplying in your life. Father, we ask you to keep us safe, God. God, we, we pray with the most famous prayer that there is, God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the power and yours is the glory. Father, today we surrender our hearts afresh and anew to your call, to the purpose and the destiny. We heed the warning that we should not be profane like Esau, that for a momentary pleasure we gave up the destiny by which you've called us heavenward. Today, God, we acknowledge the danger, but we also acknowledge the power of God that resides in us. The power to say no. And the free will to say yes to you and your plan. If you've never come into a place of relationship with Jesus, you've never, listen, he loves you. He has a plan. He has a purpose. You came in here heavy weighted by the sin that so easily besets. I got news for everybody in here. We're all sinners. And the difference between me on my way to heaven and you on your way to hell is that I made a decision to accept the free gift that was offered me. And listen, when you really understand grace, the unmerited favor of God, there's nothing you could do to earn it. There's nothing you could do to be given it. But it is available because of God's goodness. For God so loved the world that He gave first and He gave His best. You say, I want to come into a relationship with that kind of God. That's who He is. Would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are so we can pray with you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to tarry right here because the Holy Spirit. How do I know if the Holy Spirit's working on me? Your heart's pounding? If you're like, I can't wait till he says amen here in, in a minute and get out of here. I've been there. He convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Sin, in that we're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. Righteousness, because our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. Because He is holy and perfect and we are fallen human beings. In judgment to come. I came to tell you this morning that there is once we die and then we stand before God. And He looks at us and if He were ever to say, why should I let you into my heaven? And if your answer starts with I, 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 you've missed the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is He, 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 He died on a cross. He paid the price. And I come by faith and come into covenant with Him by faith. I ask one more time, shoot your hand up if you want to dedicate your life to Jesus today. Just right there where you are. Amen. 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 Praise God. Let's pray this together. And listen to me. It's not words from your mouth. It's words from your heart. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. I did this in a church service and my life changed because I meant it. Let's pray this all together, everybody in the room. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, I acknowledge this day day 
that I'm a sinner, that I'm far away from you, that I have fallen short. I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against my family. Today, Lord, I ask you to forgive me, to wash me clean, place the robe of righteousness upon me this day as I repent of my sin and put my faith in you. Change my heart. Come into my life. I believe in you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we put our hands together and praise God today? Let your pastor bless you today as you go. Father, I bless Christian Center Church. Lord, I mean this with all of my heart. I love these people, and you love them far more than I do. So, Lord, as their pastor, I bless them. May they be blessed coming in today. May they be blessed as they go out. May your face turn towards them, shine upon them, give them peace, and give them protection, Lord. May there be a hedge of protection by your angels. May your angels go before them. May May your angels go around them. May you guard them and keep them until you bring everybody back together at your appointed time. Father, today, we pray your blessings of health. I thank you, God, that you are healing. Father, we pray for Ariel's dad right now in this moment. We just ask you, Father, to heal and bless him as he's in the hospital. Heal others. God, we lift Lupita up to you. We pray, God, that you would continue to heal those from surgery and Robert and Bill. And God, as a body, we just ask for your healing power to be upon us, God, as we go. Father, we give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord, church, and be blessed. Thank you, visitors, for being here. Come join us. Uh, Tithe boxes are in the back if you'd like to leave an offering or your tithes. God bless.